Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great Sunday. I'll be reading you guys something really quickly. If you could turn to Luke 10, verses 25 through 28, and it goes as follows. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for gathering together, for worshiping on this Sunday before back to school. I know that we are feeling lots of things in my household, and I imagine you may be as well. I'm glad that we can be together and can worship together. Thank you, Christoph, for reading from the scriptures. Also wanted to thank everybody who's been involved in the service and this summer and all this incredible stuff that's happened with our kids. What a thing to see. So thank you. Um, and and this, just this last Tuesday, the work that was done out front, planting and caring for our physical building and creation. Uh, and thank you to the Wilsons. Um, thank you so much to the Moyers as well for the landscaping work that they did as well this week. So when you go outside and you see how beautiful it is, you know who to thank. Uh, so thank you for that. If I don't know you, my name is Evan. I'm the senior pastor here, and, and thank you. Welcome if you're watching online as well. And, and I've been thinking a lot this week about new neighbors. See, Brittany and I and the kids just this weekend moved into our new house. We are very excited about that. There's a lot of work to do, but we're in, and we've been meeting some of our new neighbors. Some have come over. We've gotten to know them a little bit. Some have just done that kind of like driving by and lift the finger wave. You know that kind of wave. We all do that kind of, mm -hmm, I'm aware of your presence wave. What is your relationship to your neighbors? Who lives around you? Maybe you've lived in the same place forever, and so you know your neighbors well. Maybe you live in the same place forever, and you don't know your neighbors well. Maybe you live next to family, and so you know and love or sometimes struggle with the, your neighbors in that way. What do you know about your neighbors? If, if you're a a college student. Maybe you are meeting roommates for the first time, people you've maybe never met before you're all of a sudden going to have to live in the same space with. Several years ago, we got new neighbors at Christmas time. Our backyards were diagonal from each other, and there had been this house back there. It was kind of unlived in and, and kind of falling apart. Somebody bought it and flipped it, and we knew someone had moved in because at about 11 o'clock at night, this bright green Christmas light that they had placed in their yard shot right into our bedroom window. I know. At that moment, battle lines were drawn. I was thinking, how dare they? Should I fix my own spotlight in my yard and return some passive, aggressive beam of Christmas joy right at them? 
The scripture talks a lot about loving our neighbors. We talk a lot in church about loving our neighbor. We're pretty good at talking about loving our neighbors and thinking about loving our neighbors. It's, a, it's an easy thing to do in the abstract, right? We love our neighbors. But when we get specific, right, <laughs> it can get more difficult. Do I have to love that neighbor? I mean, that one? Do we really love our neighbors, or do we just love the idea of loving our neighbors? In the novel The Brothers Karamazov, the great writer Fyodor Dostoevsky gives a character these words that I love. The more I love humanity in general, the the less I love man in particular. (laughs) In my dreams, I often make plans for the service of all of humanity. Perhaps I might even face crucifixion if it were suddenly necessary. Yet... I am incapable of living in the same room with anyone for two days together. (laughs) Perhaps you relate. Being a good neighbor can be hard, and it's it's gotten harder. Um, Recent study from Pew, if we could put the chart up there from Pew about how we know our neighbors, if we know our neighbors, it's finding more and more people don't know their neighbors. So this is a breakdown by age percent saying they know either most, only some, or none of their neighbors by age. And you see as the ages get younger, fewer and fewer people know their neighbors. With people aged 18 to 29, a quarter of them almost say they don't know any of their neighbors. I think the last several years has magnified that difficulty we have of knowing, of trusting our neighbors. A lack of confidence and trust has emerged. As as we navigated the pandemic, we might look at our neighbors and say, how quickly could some of us disregard the risks to the people around us, the immunocompromised, the young, the old? We continue to live in a time of hostility. There are conflicts around the globe. There's disregard for our planet. There's people shooting people who simply approach their doorstep by accident. There was another racially motivated shooting yesterday in Florida. It's overwhelming. Makes sense that people are nervous about knowing their neighbors. So as we approach the scripture today and we approach this series, we'll be asking about how we might love God and love our neighbors. This is a core Christian tenet that we would love God and love neighbors. And we're going to ask, how do we neighbor well in 2023? And what does it mean for us, the Baptist Church of Westchester, in this time, at this address, how do we neighbor? Now here at BCWC, we are are good Baptists. We are not going to make you affirm a statement of faith. We do not demand that we all agree on matters of theology or practice. We have space for dialogue and discussion and dissension. Did you know we have a short business meeting at the end of our service today? We always have space for dialogue and dissension. But this call to love God and our neighbors, well, it's pretty essential to what it means to be a Jesus person. So throughout this series, we'll be looking at stories from the Gospel of Luke. Luke likely wrote sometime in the first century. Tradition says that Luke was a Gentile Christian, perhaps a physician who worked alongside Paul, though we can't be sure. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So if you read Luke, know that the book of Acts is like a sequel to Luke. They work together. And and Luke is particularly interested 
in gathering the together the accounts of people who were with Jesus, saw Jesus, were telling the story of Jesus, gathering those together, combining them, and creating a narrative into a single work. Luke emphasizes Jesus' teachings about the kingdom of heaven breaking in now in our world and how God's love reaches to everyone. Luke is particularly interested in how this good news of Jesus impacts the social realities of the world. So he's critical of those who hoard wealth or who push their own well-being over others. And at the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, he tells us what his plan is, unlike the other Gospel writers. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke writes, Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided, as one having a grasp of everything from the start, to write a well-ordered account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may have a firm grasp of the words in which you have been instructed." So Luke tells us exactly his intention. He's building an account. He's kind of reporting on all the stories, the writings that exist about Jesus. You can imagine Luke as kind of an intrepid journalist, finding eyewitnesses and interviewing them about what they saw and learned from Jesus. And he takes all these accounts and he's putting them together, not just to compile history, but to show how these events have been fulfilled or how they have completed what God is doing in the world. That's Luke's goal. To show us how the story of God, the story of the whole world, the story of people are fulfilled in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Luke is clearly impacted by Jesus and the movement that Jesus started. And so his response is to investigate and then share this love with the readers. See, I believe that Luke goes on this incredible task, not because there was a good paycheck in being a gospel writer. Let me tell you something, there isn't. Instead, he is so moved by love, by the story of Jesus and how it has shaped him, that he wants to reflect that back to the world. I believe that we who are loved reflect that love back. I appreciate Luke's attention to detail and commitment to telling the story faithfully. In undergrad, I studied journalism, and I love that he is all about getting the story. See, Luke is convinced that people will be moved by the reality of Jesus if they know the story, and I think he's right. And I think that's a challenge for us, too. So as I've studied this passage, I've been thinking about the stories that we tell with our words and our lives, Luke has tracked down all kinds of people, put in the best work to tell the best story, to compile the best account. What story are we telling? How often do we see people walk away from Christianity because someone has been telling a bad story? A community has let that bad story shape its life. A Christianity that doesn't look anything like Jesus. A church that's not welcoming, that disregards those they pass on their walk to service. We who are loved must reflect that love back. And I believe the way we neighbor is an account of our lives. 
There's this new show, a streaming show called Jury Duty. You may have seen it. It's this scripted comedy. And it's about this jury that has been sequestered as they deliberate about a case. There's a catch, though. One of the cast members does not know that they are on a scripted television show. They are a normal, regular person who thinks they are part of a documentary while all these actors around them do ridiculous things. And spoiler alert, though, it's minor. Throughout the show, we discover that this regular, normal person turns out to be, like, really kind (laughs) and decent. I don't know why that came as a surprise, and yet it did, right? There's something in our world where we're like, well, this person is just a normal person off the street with no idea what's going on. I bet they're going to be a mess. Turns out, he was quite nice. I believe that the way that we neighbor, the way that we live, reflects who we are and how we've been loved. What story are we telling with our lives and our words? Christoph read the passage in Luke 10 where this teacher famously comes to Jesus and says, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what do you think? He says, well, well, I should love God and love neighbor. And Jesus says, you got it. Go on. Do it. Now you may say, wait a minute. Sounds like Jesus is saying I can earn my salvation by being good enough. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus knows that when we are rescued and made right through Christ and Christ's work alone, then we live in a way that is changed. That then we love God and love our neighbor. We live out this account of the love we have received. You've heard it said that hurt people hurt people. That's true. But I say to you also that love people love people. We who have been loved love back. So Jesus says, yes, love God and love neighbor. Go and live that way. And he tells this great parable. The, the, the teacher says, okay, I hear you. I know what you're saying, but, but who counts as my neighbor? <laughs> Could you narrow it down for me, please? Could you be a little specific? Who exactly do I need to love to make sure everything works out for me? <laughs> we can do that too. So Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, an unexpected neighbor who serves a person in distress even as the religious leaders walk right past. Jesus asks the teacher, who, who's the neighbor in this story? And the questioner says, the one who showed mercy or compassion or empathy. The point being that we are called to empathize with everyone regardless of class or age or gender or sexuality or religion or ethnicity or, 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 or everyone. Everyone is our neighbor. And the parable teaches us that that we must be actively neighbor, especially to those least like us. How do we be a neighbor in 2023? I think we have to work at it. I think we have to go out and do it. I think it's a choice that we make. Theologian Justo Gonzalez says, Jesus' final injunction to the lawyer, go and do likewise, doesn't simply mean go and act in love to your neighbor, but Go and become a neighbor to those in need. No matter how alien they may be, it's not just a matter of loving and serving those who are near us, which is what neighbor means, but also drawing near to those who, for whatever reason, racial, ethnic, theological, political, may seem alien to us. God loves you and me actively, and we must love in the same way. See, neighborliness is an active love. It takes initiative Seeking people out. This can be hard for me. I'm introverted. 
1 John 4, 7-9 says it like this, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. This is our model for love. We have seen love. And it is in the acts of God coming to be among us to teach and love and live, to die and rise. Again, this is active love, and it is the love that we are invited to participate in. How do we neighbor well in 2023? We love actively. And as we talk about this and think about the parable, we may think, okay, that's right, I've got to love everybody. My neighbor is everyone, and that's very, very true. But sometimes, I think because we think so big as Christians and make it so abstract, we think we're off the hook of loving our actual neighbors. (laughs) I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to love the whole world. Everyone's my neighbor. I don't have to worry about these people, right? (laughs) No. That all, everyone, includes the people that live actually next to you. And maybe there was a time where that was not something the church needed to hear. They were good at that, but but I don't think those are our days anymore. (laughs) How do we love the people near us, too? How do we love our community? How do we love as a community? See, love of neighbor is not conditional. It's not based on location. It's not based on how somebody's dogs acts, acts or what flags they're flying in their yard or where their Christmas lights shine. But it's a commitment. It's a commitment to see people and value them, to desire their best. It is a commitment to be with, to be in relationship with people who may disagree with you, who aren't perfect, who reveal things about ourselves that we may not want to know. But we commit to it because God has committed to us. We who are loved reflect that love back to our neighbors, our neighbors around the globe and our neighbors right next door. Just a few weeks ago, we had one of these terrific Tuesdays and we did it at the splash pad at John O'Green Memorial Park. It's one third of a mile from here. 0.3 miles, it's a five-minute walk from our church parking lot uh, to a part of our city with deep African-American history. And many of us had never been to that park before we went to this event. I had no idea it existed. I only knew about it because my five-year-old was begging that we find a splash pad, and it's the only one in Westchester. But as we walked there from here, we met people and talked to people. I met the woman who organized the petition to make that area a park and who still calls the borough multiple times a week to make sure they're maintaining it. She's amazing. We talked about ways we could serve the community together. We talked about where our backpack drives were going as she was talking about her church and her pastor. And she's our neighbor. Do we know her? Do we love her? Are we neighboring well? So I want to take you to the practical. We're going to do this this series, and I have some, a project for you, and it's in your bulletin. So in the back of your bulletin, you will find this grid. This is the Love God and Neighbor grid, okay? And this is for you to do. It's kind of like bingo. Here's how it works. In the center is a free square, so you're already there. Way to go. You got one. This is you. 
Around it are these eight other squares. And here's what I want to challenge you to do as we think about how we're going to neighbor well in 2023. I want you to fill in this grid with your neighbor's names, and I want you to pray for them. Now, you may live in a way that you have neighbors behind you and beside you and in front of you, so that's easy to do. You may not, so you can get creative. Maybe they're the people that sit beside you in class or sit beside you on the school bus. Maybe uh, they're the people that work near you. Maybe there's some other configuration of how you can come up with eight people that are your neighbors, but I want you to fill this out with their names, and I want you to pray for them. We're going to do this as a church, too. We're going to think, who are the places around us, and how do we pray for them? And you may say, well, I don't know all of their names. I know. (laughs) Yeah. You could ask them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get to know their names, and we're, we're going to ask them. And then I want you to pray for them. You may say, I don't know what to pray for. I know. You might have to ask them. You might have to build a relationship and get to know them. And and here's the thing. This could be like a tool that we're like, here, we're going to try to get everybody on your grid to come to this church. That That is not the goal. The goal is to love. To see, to know, to love. That's it. To ask, to pay attention, to notice people, to care, to be a good neighbor. And for me, I'm already thinking about how to do this with our new neighbors. I've got two grids down and I've got six more to go. It's a lot of people to meet. And then maybe, yes, you may want to invite them to church. That's awesome. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but that's not your goal. Your goal is to know them, to love them, to pray for them. See what happens. A friend of mine told me once how she and her husband have this rule in their house. They said, we will not invite anyone to church that we have not already invited to dinner. I love that rule. It bothers me like a rock in my shoe, but I love that rule. (laughs) See, Luke has gone about this process of crafting an account, of telling a story. He's done the work. He knows that he's loved and he wants to love in response. Will you and I? We are going to love people, seek people out, find the people who are cast aside. Yes, yes, yes. And we're also not going to neglect the people that live right next door. We're going to do the work. We're going to craft an account of our lives, of how we love people. That we would be a place that people would want to come to, that we would be a people, that people in need would say, hey, I know they are safe and I know that they care about me. That's what it means to be a good neighbor. I want to tell you more about those neighbors with the Christmas lights. Eventually, we met across the fence, kind of staring off. We realized we had kids of similar ages. They had just moved from another town. We had some mutual friends. They were looking for a church family. They wound up being our very best friends. We led a small group together in our church. And and Megan, the mom, would come to our house multiple times a week to help with the kids when I was working at weird hours. We shared meals weekly. And and not just like the, oh, somebody's coming over, so I've got to like clean up the house kind of meals. But like they would come to our house and the dishes would be in the sink and it'd be like, we have leftover soup. Hey, those kind of meals, you know? The next year, I helped them put up the Christmas lights. They did not point at my house. (laughs) And in fact, about two weeks ago, Megan 
came to visit us. She flew from Texas to come hang out with us and our kids. I brought a picture. Uh, if we want to show Megan. There she is with our twins. And she came to visit because she had some days off. And we said, Megan, we are like in between houses. And everything is chaotic. And we're kind of far away from everything. And this is not a good use of your vacation time. <laughs> she came anyway. And she helped with the kids. She came 1,500 miles because she gets what it means to be a good neighbor. Like, like we're not actually physically neighbors anymore, but she's still a good neighbor. <laughs> this is what good neighboring looks like. A love that will go as far as it takes to show someone mercy and compassion. A love that looks like the God who took on flesh and dwelt among us in our own chaos and transition and frustration. She just came and knew us and cared for us, and sat with us, showed mercy, compassion. It turns out being a good neighbor in 2023 might go all the way back to learning from this Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago. The one who loved us. The one who is love. How are you neighboring? I challenge you to do your grid. Pray for those folks. We'll keep reminding you as we work through different stories in Luke. And I can't wait to see what God does in the midst of that. As we close this morning, I want to close with that parable. Luke 10, 25-37. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? What do you read there? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've given the right answer. Do this, and you'll live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and took off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, another religious person, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan. A Samaritan, the one you have biases against and assumptions about, a Samaritan. While traveling came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine, and then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the man said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.